Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi everybody, it's Russ from My Hammers 11. I hope you're all safe and well. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and hit the bell notification so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Obviously, we have videos going up daily, but sometimes we might get two or three up in a day, so you want to be made aware of that, so make sure you uh, hit that bell icon. We've got some mental guests coming up uh, today and across the, uh, the next couple of weeks. Obviously, we've just posted our 50th guest as well, which was fantastic, um, and today's guest is, is brilliant. I'm looking forward to him. He writes for the West Ham Till I Die website, um, which he sort of concentrates on maybe more the, the history side and the traditions of Upton Park. So really, really interesting articles. And obviously his Twitter feed's really good because you know when players' birthdays are and stuff. Uh, here's Dan Coker. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hello, Russ. You all right? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. As a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's an even weirder time, I think, now. Football's sort of on the horizon. Do you know what I mean? When we didn't have it, it was okay. But now it's there. It's like really close and things are starting to seem a bit real again now um i'm a bit worried yes, yeah. <laughs> it is what it is it is what it is isn't it so it's like yeah um and roll with it, yeah. i know you've got to roll with it and, and whatever happens happens but uh it's, it's good to see it i think it'll boost you know it's very true when they said they were trying to um kick off sport and get sport going as much as possible because that would boost morale uh for country and i think that is the case you know we've had the snooker start in um, obviously, people can play golf. We've had the horse racing starting as well. And I think the football will be, um, particularly because it's on BBC and Prime and everything else, it'll be mental. It's just like yeah. the World Cup, as you said before we recorded it. Just the what it is. Um, looking forward yeah, to it. Anyway, exactly. Look forward to it. Exactly. Uh, well, yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? We'll See find we out. Exactly. <laughs> Although we do seem to have most of our games on Sky, I noticed. Uh, the first three are on yeah. Sky, that's for sure. Um, being Chelsea at home, you know, Tottenham away and Wolves at home. So some nice games for them. Nice, um, easy start. Yeah, exactly. But then, you know, <laughs> we've got a fully fit, fully fit squad, haven't we? Which we is... have, yeah. For the first game. <laughs> <laughs> well, until we we've still got sort of two weeks until we, until we kick off. So uh, who knows what's going to happen that time. Um, <laughs> but we can look back, can't we? Um, and that's the yeah. idea of the channel is to talk about memories you know, obviously, while we're waiting for everything to kick off uh, about West Ham and obviously the players 
that had some influence on you, whether it was positive or negative, as some people have done. You know, it doesn't really matter. But for you, Dan, you know, who, you know with your sort of, obviously, you spend a lot of time um, sort of researching the history and stuff like that of West Ham. But, but for you personally, what was your earliest memory of West Ham? Can you sort of recall? Yeah, and the earliest memory would have been a pre-season game at Gillingham, which is my local team. Um, my dad's been going to West Ham since the 1960s. So it's kind of always been in the family. But um, we actually had an interesting moment in that pre-season friendly because we bumped into Ian Bishop and Trevor Morley. Um, the club hadn't been kind of doing coaches, I suppose, to away games at that point. And Bishop and Morley got lost, basically, on, on the way to, to Breesfield and they had a, a club car with all the sponsorship on the side, as they used to have in those days. I remember Lido used to have a, a sponsored Skoda, um, which yeah. he somehow managed to squeeze yeah. into. Um, and they were lost. And my dad went up to him and said, are you looking for the ground? And gave him directions. Um, and yeah, um, we decided that night we go. That was my first game um, at Priestfield. We lost 4-1 um, to Lodi Gillingham. So yeah. start as you mean to go on. Yeah. Um, but they were brilliant. They sent some signed photos through the post. Um, and that kind of got me, got me hooked for it. My first game at Upton Park was a month or so later, I think. And um, we played Man City. Um, September 91 relegation season yeah. Um, yeah. and it was it was brilliant we were sat in the west upper and I remember we had um, we were not too far away from the director's box and Dirty Den from EastEnders was there Leslie Grantham Eddie Large it was a big Man City fan who passed away recently they were both yeah. in the director's box mm-hmm. and I was really close to them um, and it was just if you kind of have my West Ham support in life as a microcosm that was it um, yeah. We um, we went one nil down because Colin Foster handballed one on the line and got sent off. Um, we then equalised with an amazing team goal, which started off with Ludo nutmegging Colin Hendry, who was playing up front for him at the time for some reason. I don't know why the centre half he went play for Blackburn. Um, Kenny Brown got a goal, brilliant volley, and then in the last minute, Ludo let one through his hands, and, and we ended up losing it two one. That is so, the that, that is the microcosm West Ham, isn't it? That's mental. pretty much yeah. That's so funny. Um, and I know what you mean about the whole, like, director's box and Dirty Den and, you know, like, as I say, I remember, I remember watching, you know, seeing David Essex coming out of the of the West End and, and people and like, uh, what's his name, um, Billy Mitchell and, and, you know, Nick Berry. And yes. you're like, wow, oh, my God, I'm so cool <laughs> to be in the same world as these people. But, yeah, and as you said, you started as you meant to go on, you know, relegation season. Obviously, promotion the season after. That was a good year. Um, yeah, that was a great season that one yeah that was brilliant wasn't it I mean that was my first season so you know I'm, mm. I was a glory hunter really in all, in all true <laughs> respects um, but yeah that was awesome that whole season and you know it, since then obviously sort of the early 90s onwards Dan you know you must have had obviously lots of experiences maybe dealing with ex-players and stuff like that for the website and things what sort of what sort of memories that will stick out as, as sort of you know maybe many things differently than the necessary games you know is there any sort of memories or any sort of stories that have sort of stuck out in your career so to speak being a West Ham um, probably the one um, which sticks out apart from the obvious you know last game against Man United yeah. um, which is probably my favourite memory um, would be one where I wasn't at the game but might have been able to make a difference which is a bit of a strange one remember Manuel Mimney against Aston Villa in, in the quarter final yeah. I was actually at the game that he played for Gillingham <laughs> in the cup earlier that year um so i i knew he was cut tight and i was going to all the games then but i think that game i was on a school trip we were um on an a-level school trip somewhere um and 
I knew we'd won the game. I knew we'd won it on penalties. Um, you know, kind of kept up with the score. And then the next morning, I looked at the paper and saw that Omri Inmi had come on as sub. And I knew at that moment um, we played a cup tied player because I'd actually seen him on the pitch at Priestfield playing. I think it was against Bolton for Gillingham. Um, and I just think, you know, if I could have been at that game, like, grab, grabbed hold of a steward, get me down, you know, to the time, I probably wouldn't have listened. It could have changed that moment. <laughs> I know, yeah. Um, so that, that one's up there. Um, playing any game against Man United has always been good um, yeah. over the years. I remember um, going back to Chapman and Morley, I think, scoring two in two minutes. Um, putting us 2-1 up against Man United in front of the North Bank. Um, was at that game with my dad and my uncle and my cousin. Um, and Paul Lintz equalised in the last minute. So again, typical West Ham. Um, obviously the 94-95 game with Ludo. Um, Dixie smashing that penalty in, um, yeah. in 1996, yeah. I think it was. Um, but yeah, any game against Man United down the years and obviously culminating in that that big game, the last one at the bowling. Yeah. Um, when we won, that's probably my, my greatest memory. Although my yeah. dad couldn't be at that game, unfortunately, he had, to, he had work and he couldn't get out of it. He was gutted. Um, so his last game was losing 4-1 against Swansea, unfortunately. <laughs> Again, but, it's yeah, that, that was West Ham, an amazing night. Yeah, no, it was. It was an amazing night. It was a. It was a very. Um, I was. I, I felt very privileged. Um, you know, not only because I was one of the thirty-six thousand people there. You know, considering how many people were outside. Um, but just obviously, you know, the stuff I do. So you know, being privileged enough to, you know. You know, it was an, as I said, I've said before on previous videos. You know, walking around the ground, you know, during during the morning, and there was no bugger in there. And you know, just walking around the changing rooms and sitting where I used to sit, like several times. Obviously, you move around when you when you were a season ticket holder. You know, I was we was in the East Stand, and then we moved to the what was the family enclosure? You know, Centenary Upper, um, and and yeah, just walking around and just taking in the, the place really and it was an amazing amazing day wasn't it amazing evening stressful yeah. because obviously the game but you know then i was listening to i was next door to all the the guys doing the production afterwards and billy didn't turn up and he turned around and went home and you know it's like oh it's like and then, the, then obviously everything got delayed didn't it so we had to put the fireworks yeah. on at the beginning not at the end <laughs> so it's like you know but it's just the way it was. But it's the West Ham way, isn't it? It's just like you, yeah. you make do as you go along. <laughs> so even going two one down was so West Ham. Exactly. <laughs> it, but as you said again, you talk about that, that microcosm of, of your first home game there. That was a microcosm of the West Ham. You know, as you said, Man United always turned up against the, the better teams, went down, but dug in when when it really really mattered. We seemed to always yeah. produce something, and uh, yeah, it was an amazing Definitely. day. Um, and and yeah, yeah, as you said, that that you're right. United games, we always seem to be a bit special. Um, yeah, not so much I think now because that sort of the shines come off a little bit of Man United where they were obviously during the sort of yeah, when we were. Yeah, in sort of nineties, but uh, yeah, no, it's and and they they always seem beatable, don't they? Whereas you know when you I don't know when you turn up with uh, like Liverpool, you know at the moment, you know it's like yeah. they just yeah, you just turn up for the numbers, really, in all honesty, yeah. at the moment because they're just so up and above everyone else. But uh, it is what it is, and we carry on and we carry on plugging away. Um, <laughs> one day, one day. So in terms of the um, in terms of the Hammers Eleven idea, so as I said, we're asking people about their Hammers Eleven. Um, we try and keep it to a four-four-two, which isn't a problem for us. I think people of our generation, um, the older generation, you know, as I said, I've 
I've learned what an inside half is, um, a left forward, all these terms I've never heard of before. So, you know, it's interesting. So it's quite sort of a learning process. The second rule is you have to be alive to a scene and play. So obviously you report on some of the greatest players who have played for West Ham, through West Ham till I die, through the history stuff. But obviously you didn't see him. So you could put Bobby Moore in, for yep. example, or, or Jeff Peters, uh, Jeff Peters, Martin Peters, <laughs> Jeff Hurst. Christ, uh, who's Jeff Peters right here? Uh, so yes, you, we can put in Jeff Hurst, but we could put in Guillermo Franco, for example. Um, it was, that seems a, a similar sort of yin and yang. And the third one is you can talk about whoever you want. It doesn't have to be the best players. And to be honest, most of people's eleven. If you put the eleven out on the pitch, they might not be the best players. But for that person, they were their favourite players, or the players they hated the most, or the players they they might have shouted at the most, or had the best chance. It really doesn't matter, to be honest, Dan. Um, it's and it's nice to get people's business. We've had about 120 different names have appeared so far, uh, which isn't bad considering you know this type of thing. You yeah. know, obviously you can you can imagine a few favourites emerging, but uh, you know we've had uh, we've had two people say Paul Ince for example, um, you know, and and you know we've had some interesting ones as well. Uh, Raz Van Rat appeared in one. Right. Um, yeah, Raz Van Rat came out in Charlie Walsh's one um, from Hammer's Chat because he wore um, a onesie, Christmas onesie for the um, the Christmas catalogue. Um, and that was right. why, <laughs> yeah, little things like that. So in terms that's of... That's all anyone the, remembers him for. That's all, exactly, well, I think <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, in terms of the, the, the Dan 11, who would be between the sticks for your team, Dan? Okay, we've had we've been blessed with a lot of really good goalkeepers, I think, over the last thirty years or so. Um and a lot of them kind of have ended up winning the hammer of the year as well. Um Fabianski, Hislop, Ludo, um, Bruno, etc. Um for me it came down to between two different goalkeepers. Um Ludo, I think, played almost every game for the first six and a half years of me going to going to West Ham. So he's kind of intrinsically linked to my West Ham past and my childhood. But I'm going to give it to Rob Green. Um, Greeno was absolutely um, fantastic for us. Um, I know that he obviously had the big mistake um, for England in 2010, but for me, that, I don't remember that. I remember the brilliant performances he put in for us week in, week out. I think um, he saved eight penalties for us in about six seasons, um, which is incredible. I think he saved three in a row. The one that sticks out for me was the one from Defoe. In that last, I think it was 93rd minute or something against Tottenham when he sits on the post. And it's, it's not necessarily a save that I remember that for. It was um, when the ball came back in, it just looped up in the air and he just caught it, fell on the ground, everyone's cheering. Um, and that's that's one of my, my favourite Greeno memories. I think another one would be, we played away at Barnsley and I was behind the goal at Barnsley. And we were all singing, number one is Robert Green, number two is Robert Green. Dream, we're all dreaming of a team of Robert Greens. And he was stood with his back to us, just counting them out. One, two, three, just counting along with four and up. Um, and he was such a character as well. I think people don't really get that about Rob Green sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he, was a, he was a fantastic character mm-hmm. and we really latch on to that. I think West Ham fans are our goalkeepers. So Green between the six for me, I think great yeah, goalkeeper. Good, yeah, he doesn't take him. And, and I think, you know, when he, used to, when he had England number six stitched on his gloves and stuff yeah. like that, he didn't take himself seriously. And I think that's... That's 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 something which is lost in the modern game. Everyone's so serious now because it's such an uber professional, uber money sport, you know. So it's like it's almost like you know they can't take themselves 
have to take yourselves very seriously. And as you said, Greeno was a was a good. I mean, you know, you see all the stuff he does on his Twitter. You know that he was a, obviously won won the European Cup with Chelsea. You know, and and like, I think it's brilliant. I love Greeno. <laughs> He's a good laugh, right? Yeah, he did. Yeah, fair. Yes, I mean, he did. So you know, fair play to him. Okay, but Greeno between the sticks is a nice shout. I think. Um, who have uh, who should we have left back? Um, okay, so left back. Um, special mentions for Aaron Cresswell. Cresswell. I'm a big fan of Cressy. Um, George McCartney, I thought, was a really solid left back. But mm. there's only one that I can put in, and that's Julian Dix. Yeah. Um, absolutely brilliant player for us. Um, obviously, he's got that kind of hard man tag. Um, and he likes to tackle, I think it's fair to say. Um, brilliant penalty taker. Um, but a really good footballer as well. Yeah. Fantastic pass for the ball. Um over 30, 40, 50 yards as well. Great left foot. Um, and probably my, my childhood era at West Ham, you know, the one who kind of stood up. We have some really good players, but I think he's the one that kind of stood out above the rest as well. Yeah, totally. Um, fantastic players. Yeah. Penalties. Um, and not just you know, smashing those penalties in at 100 mile an hour as he used to, but that free kick against Forrest, I think, in 95, where he just curled it over the wall um, with, with his left foot. Yeah. A bit of finesse in there as well as as well as oh, a fierce yeah. shot. Definitely, and 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 he, he scored his fair few headers and corners as well. You know, used to yeah, yeah. watching the, a lot of the the high you know, end of season reviews over again. And yeah, he didn't realize how many, many headers he scored. And now he came forward for corners, but yeah, there's not really much you can say about him. You know, I mean, he was yeah, he was my hero, and that was yeah. with similar ages. And and yeah, he was he was my Mr. West Ham. He was my Billy Bonds really because I wasn't around to see yeah. Billy um, in that era. So okay, put Julian in. Yeah, that's pretty much nailed on position for everyone, I think. Yeah. But it's uh, he's he needs to be sit- yeah, he is he is. Although Raz Van Rack comes you know close second, um, <laughs> and Vladimir Lebat. Um, right, so we'll put Dixie at left back. Who's going to go right back? Okay, right back is probably the one I struggle with the most, mm. um, to be honest. Um, I think looking back over the last 10 years, I think we've only spent £3.7 million on a right back, and that was Sam Byron. I think all the other right backs we've had have been freebies or loan signings. Um, and no one really stands out. Zabaleta was a fantastic player for Man City, but he was never kind of really going to recreate that form for us. as good as he has been for us. Um, I think the last really good right back we had was probably Lucas Neal. Um, I think he doesn't get much of a, a shout um, for the great escape. I think he came in in that Tottenham game. We lost 4-3. He'd had a couple of matches before when he got injured. But he came back for that game against Tottenham and then um, was in for the rest of the season. And his leadership was really important, I think. But it's, it's between two for me again um, for right back. Um, Sebastian Schemmel was a really good player for us. I thought, you know, getting forward in that 2001 2 season to win Hammer of the Year, the year we finished seventh, um, it was a really good um, accolade for him, I think. But I'm going to give it to Timmy Breaker um, yeah. just because of longevity, really. Um, he was a great player to watch. I used to um, enjoy watching him bomb on down the wing. He was a great overlapping fullback, got forward, good crossing him. Um, he'd score his fair share of goals I think he got eight goals for us one against Oxford stands out in that 92-93 um, season where he cut inside cut outside and then just looped it over the goalkeeper yeah, um, really enthusiastic player I remember his warm-ups were, were mad as well Timmy Breaker he used to um, used to just stretch in these kind of really weird positions um, with his hamstrings he used to get a few hamstring injuries I think so he used to he used to have to look after those um, but actually he was the first player I had on the back of my shirt um, 
Yeah. And I mean, this is kind of typical yeah. West Ham as well, the old porter cabin um, that yeah. used to get the shirts from outside of West Ham. Yeah. Um, and I had the shirt done and they gave it back to me and they spelled his name wrong. Um, they put K-E-R at the end instead of C-K-E-R. Um, so I had to get back to him and get it done again. So they ruined that shirt. <laughs> that probably cost him a few quid then. Um, yeah, like, he, he was a great player for us over a few seasons. Um, so Timmy Breaker just ahead of Sebastian Chemmel. That's no, a good shout. And and yeah, and uh, yeah, that was remember the Oxford game. It was five three, wasn't it? And Oxford scored it was. within like a minute, if I remember, because that was probably my first game and uh, so oh, i remember that game, game. Um, yeah <laughs> yes but then but then oxford had scored after a minute uh, so again typical west ham and i remember julian scoring a, a yeah. thumper as well that game right we'll put timmy breaker in good chat let's go center backs then dan who's your first center back we've had so many good center backs yeah. over the years so many um i was the same other time that i've been watching and that's even without counting bobby moore um so the two I'm going to give it to, Rio Ferdinand's my first one to yep. go in. Um, I'm pretty sure Harry Redknapp would describe him as a Rolls-Royce of a centre-half. Just class. Um, quick, fantastic on the ball, skillful. I remember doing them um, kind of pirouettes on the ball, getting himself out of trouble in centre-half on the edge of his own box. Um, and he was really exciting when he broke through, and I remember thinking at the time, um, you know, this lad's going to be a fantastic player. Mm. Um, he was. Um, but the other position is so many possible. Stevie Potts, I used to love watching Stevie Potts when I was young. I missed the consistency, hardly ever missed a game. Tony Gale was a great player. Um, Slav was brilliant, Mark Reaper, Ian Pearce. Um, and more recently, obviously, the Ginger Pele. Winston Reed was a great servant for us. Um, but I'm going to give it to Alvin Martin. Yeah. I think his, his best days at West Ham were probably before I started going um, in 1991. But you could still see, even when he was into his days, what, what a class actor he was. And I like the fact that in Rio and Alvin, I've got two players there who are good on the ball and, and can bring it out of defence. Good in the air as well, the pair of them. But I want football in centre-halves um, for the pair of them. So Rio and, Rio and Stretch are in there. It's a good shout. No, it's, it's that, you're definitely right. And I think, I think that's, that's, a, that's a fair pairing as well. And I think you're right with, you know... Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? It's like we seem to have gone like full circle. You know, it used to be, you know, in Bobby's era, so to speak, he was a ball playing centre half, skillful, pinged the ball. Then there was a period I thought, sort of maybe towards the end of Alvin's career, so to speak, where it was more blockers. You know, I'm thinking sort of we had like Neil Ruddock and, you know, Reaper. I mean, Reaper, you wouldn't say was a cultured player, he was just like solid. Uh, and now we're going back to the sort of, you know, as you said, like, uh, you know, everyone wants that ball playing centre half, don't they? You know, everyone, it, we rested our hopes on, on, you know, John Stones at once, you know, as being that sort of, and, and it, it's funny how everything goes cyclical. So, you know, it's, it's back to sort of the um, playing from the back and he's obviously Klopp and Guardiola have sort of brought that, instilled that in that sort of foreign mentality. But that's no, a good shout, I think. Yeah, good pairing. Nice, nice, nice. Well, that's defence done. Let's go. Let's go left wing. Then, Dan, who got left wing for you, man? Um, I, I love a winger. Um, someone who can take on a fullback, um, get get past their defender, get to the byline, put a crossing, get a pace, get get the crowd, get the crowd going. So I, I really like the wingers. Um, I used to love watching Matty Owens when I was younger. Um, real try, Matty, and, and a good player as well. Another Matt, uh, Matty Etherington. I, mm. I used to love watching so Etherington play for us. But I've got to go with one of the, probably the best player 
in terms of skill and talent that I've seen in the West Ham shirt, and that's uh, Dimitri Payet. Yeah. Just even though it was just for a season and a half, if you could pick a, a season where you wanted a player to be absolutely outstanding, it was that last one at Upton Park. And he, he graced the place and he gave it the send-off that it deserves, I think. Mm. When you get a free kick, 5, 10, sometimes even 15 yards outside the penalty area, and you're pretty confident it's going to go in the net, you know you've got a special player on your hands. And he was, I know he left under a cloud, but I remember everything that he kind of did for us before then. Even when we, we were in the, at London Stadium, you know, the, the assist with the, with the Rabona against Watford and the fantastic goal against Middlesbrough where he took on their whole defence in midfield pretty much and, and twice even, yeah. even, even that second <laughs> season yeah <laughs> even that second season he was still turning it on and you know just an incredible incredible player we don't get too many Ballon d'Or nominees either at West Ham so um, exactly Jimmy's, Jimmy's on the left yeah Sorry, no mate, good shit but yeah I know what you mean I know what you mean I, I love and it, it's, it's 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 and it's one of those things where you don't get that sort of left winger or right winger who just bombs it down the wing anymore and it's so and thinking about it you know it's so simple you know just bombing get the quickest player you can put him on the left he beats the right back and chips it in as long as you've got like a decent center center back uh, yeah center forward rather um it's just such an easy game football can be but i think we overcomplicate it but yeah payette was you know i don't think well, in my lifetime, I don't think a player had made such an impact so early on. Usually, you know, we get one and there were a couple of games, three or four games to bed themselves in. Literally from the first game, he was on it and you knew he was going to be mustered. Yeah. Um, and there was nothing of him, really. You know, he was a stumpy little bloke, really. He wasn't blessed with pace. <laughs> yeah. Really, he was like a little stumpy bloke. You know, best wasn't, wasn't the quickest thing in the world, but he just had this amazing talent to just beat men almost standing still but there was no real pace it was almost he stood still and then mm. would do a trick or as, as you said a turn or a flick round or you know his double easy that double thing off his feet um and just beat players just with trickery and yeah, just, we don't get that very often um once or twice in a lifetime i think i'm seeing players like yeah. that but yeah lovely show okay but we'll put dimmy in who should we go on the right wing position then down the other side um right wing I've gone Trevor Sinclair. Yep. Um, just pace, goals. Um, you were just saying there about Payet kind of hitting the ground running. I think um, tricky Trev scored two on his on his on his first game, on his debut for us. Um, I used to love watching players like Yossi Benayoun as well. You know, Yossi was fantastic for us, and that ninety two ninety three season when we had Keane and Robson on either wing, but they were both fantastic wingers as well. But Sinclair, I think, um, just Great player for us, played in the 2002 World Cup. I think he actually asked Glenn Roder if he could play that previous season on the left wing so he could try and make that England place um, his own on that left side as well. Um, great player for us. Um, yeah. Scored goals with his head, even though he, he wasn't the tallest. Um, scored spectacular goals, one against Charlton on Boxing Day where he smashed it in from about 35 yards, the overhead kick against Derby. Uh, and I think that was on Boxing Day as well. Um, yeah, two yeah. successive Boxing Day scored outstanding goal of the season contenders on. Um, yeah, wonderful player to watch. Yeah, he was great. He was great. He was. I, I liked Sinclair. He was just like a. He was a real when he was on form. He was like unplayable. He's a bit similar to how not stature wise, but you know when Antonio has got the bit between his teeth, and. Yeah. And I, you know, I know he's different builds, but literally just pace and would just, you know, and when he when he was on form, Trevor was brilliant. He was a brilliant player, and I don't think yeah. he gets 
I don't think he got as much credit as he deserved, particularly. I mean, obviously, you know, to be fair, he played like 13, 14 games for England in that in that period. Um, he'd sort of, sort of, you know, obviously he got into the World Cup squad. Of, was it why a few people got injured? Um, but he was, I, I loved him. I loved Trevor. I thought he was a great player. Uh, and so did my granddad, God rest his soul. He was, yeah, he, oh, <laughs> he was, yeah, he was, well, yeah, his eyesight was going, bless him. And so um, anyone, <laughs> anyone, basically anyone at West Ham who was black, who did anything good was Sinclair. And he was like, oh, there we go. That's Sinclair again. No, granddad, that was Jermaine Defoe. It doesn't matter. You know, yeah, that's sort of, that's how it worked to him, bless him. Uh, tricky Trev on the right. Nice. Okay. Let's go into the midfield then, Dan. Who's your first central midfield player? Again, this, this was a real tough one as well because we've had so many good central midfielders. So I'll go with my shoe in first, and that's Joey Cole. Yep. Um, I've never rarely been more excited to, to see a player come into the West Ham team than, than Joe Cole from the youth team anyway. Um, I remember that um, the 6-0 win over Coventry in the Youth Cup final. Yeah. That we were up in the Bobby Moore stand for that one. And he was fantastic in that one. To be fair though, he wasn't even the best player on the pitch that game. That was Michael Carrick. Carrick was incredible in that game as well. But Joe Cole, flair player, tricks, flicks, um, had a goal in him as well. Probably played his best, more disciplined football um, at, at Chelsea, so I don't think we really saw the best of him. But um, just a, in terms of the excitement that I felt when I was going to West Ham to, to watch a game, and you know, who, who I was excited to go and see, yeah. um, it's probably Joe Cole. And that that follows on from when he came back for his second spell. We didn't have a great time at Liverpool, um, but when he came back, I was just delighted to have him back on board. Yeah, so, there's, there's something about having a West Ham boy playing for West Ham, isn't it? It's like it's it's one of those things where you, yeah. I don't know, it's like. I mean, Joe, I mean, bless him, you know, Joe, we, we, everyone was excited from the age of about 13, when he was 13, you know, yeah. that there's this guy coming who's basically going to be absolutely well-beaten. And, and, and I think, although he probably had his best success playing the more discipline in Chelsea, he played more disciplined positions of the left, and obviously England, he played on the left as well, really, didn't he? I think he was more most exciting when he was on the free roll, so to speak, at West Ham, you know, like, yeah. like, like that final, you know, when he was just doing that, those pirouettes for fun, you know, against a decent Coventry yeah. youth team. You know, Chris Kirkland was in goal for them, I believe at the time. Mm. Um, and, you know, they put, was it eight, eight new aggregate, nine new aggregate, something like that. It was just, nine, think, yeah. yeah, we had Bertie Braley on right, right at the early beginning of the chat of the, um, the channel. And, um, yeah, he, he was like, he couldn't speak highly of Joe Cole, you know, in terms of, he played with him, didn't he, in the youth team. So, yeah. um, well, I think, and I think the uh, the story goes that, that he said that on uh, his first, his first training session with the first team, him and Joe's together, um, was uh, when John Hartson and E.R. Berkovich had a little... <laughs> A little two and eight, and that was his last first team training session with them. So yeah, it's like could you, could you such a rest out. Like, all these stories are guys, absolutely brilliant. Okay, who's Joe gonna Welcome partner? To the first team. I know exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> off you go. Harry like sent him away straight away. So who's who's Joe gonna partner in midfield then? Man? This one was really difficult, and I was kind of umming an hour in between two really one was kind of more of a, a personal attachment but I've, yeah. I've gone for someone who i think could play really well with with joe cole and that's scotty parker yeah um so i mean parker i don't think really gets although he did at the time i don't really think he gets looking back no. the, the kudos that he should um he was he carried West Ham, i think for probably about three 
two seasons, yeah, yeah. Years. And with Mark Noble and Robert Green, I think those three pretty much carried us. That they, um, that they were superb. I think for for a player to win the Football Writers Player of the Year award when you finish bottom and got relegated, um, there must have been something special about yeah. that particular player that season. And he was amazing for us. I think um, not just the fact that he won Amber of the Year three times in a row, not just the fact that. Um, he, he was such a great player for us, but the, the commitment he showed to the club as well. I think he played hours after the death of his father um, at Tottenham, at White Hart Lane, the year he got relegated. Um, he scored some fantastic goals for us. The one against Wigan, which kept us up, um, was, was was brilliant, just slamming that one in the corner, typical Scotty Parker. Um, and it, it was such a shame that he had to go. I can completely understand what, why he left us. He wanted to stay in the air, he wanted to... Um, to play for England in what would probably be his only tournament. And then it turned out to, to be the case that Euro 2012 was his only tournament. Mm. So I can understand why he went to Tottenham. Um, but I don't think that should diminish for no, him. Should. what an incredible no, player he was for us. No, you shouldn't. And as I said, hammer of the year three times in a row. You know, as your football writers, you, you know, play of the, play of the season on the, on the year we went down. I don't think that's ever happened before. And... Yeah, there were some games in it where literally it was almost like he pulled his socks up and went, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'll do it myself, you know. And you had that sense of him. Um, and he used to love doing a Scotty turn, didn't he? Where he stick his ass out. Yeah. And do... <laughs> <laughs> it was so Beautiful. fun. No, he was a great player. And, and, you know, and obviously I don't think credit goes to Scott either in terms of how arguably he helped develop Mark Noble as a player and as yeah. a captain because he was... Mark was like the deputy, so to speak, to Scotty Parker when Scott was playing. And now I, it's almost like, you know, Groundhog Day. Deck is almost like the, yeah. the, the, set, the deputy to Mark Noble. And, and hopefully that will continue and Deck will, 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 uh, then, have a, will then have a, another young guy to, to, to deputy to be the, the senior man. But it, it, he's brilliant now. Scotty Parker was great. And I think you're right. I think yeah. it, the, the fact he went to Tottenham should diminish the facts. I mean, you know, we've got Pyatt in there and Pyatt's in a lot of people's yeah. teams and he only had one season, one bit seasons of us and um, arguably Scott Parker as a team man, as a captain, was was a lot more influential. But um, yeah, we'll put Scott He just edged out Ian Bishop for me. Oh, good old Bish. I, I love watching Bish play, but um, yeah. I needed someone in there who's going to be... I, I, Bish could put his foot in, but... I think Scotty could do it with a bit more regularity, maybe more. So sure. Sorry, Bish. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I love watching Bish play and what what play, what passer he was, and it no, was a massive no. influence on the way that I played. Actually, when I was a kid, I used to love watching Bish. But Scotty Parker. Scotty Parker. Yeah. That's good. All yeah. right, let's 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 go up front then, Dan. You've got your striker. Who's yep. your first striker? First striker again, like like Alvin Martin at the back. He's probably someone who had his better days before um, I started going to games. But I'm going to go Tony Cotty yep. um, as my yep. first striker. Um, We'd had some some great strikers actually in the first couple of years when I was going. Trevor Morley and Clive Allen had that brilliant partnership yeah. um, in in ninety two ninety three. But um, when Cotty signed, we had an out and out goal scorer, um, Poacher, which um, apart from Clive Allen, that first kind of um, half season in ninety two ninety three when he was fit, it was really exciting to, to see TC come back. Um, so so Cotty gets a nod for me um, up front. We had so many good strikers. I think there was one season. I think it was 2006-07 where we had six of them. We had Sheringham, Zamora, Harewood, Tevez, Carlton Cole and Dean Ashton. Well, obviously Dean didn't play that year because of injury. No, but but you know, they're, they're some of the best strikers we've ever had. Yeah, that were a bad strike. Jesus. 
That was amazing. Didn't have, didn't have much to choose from, did they? <laughs> ah, exactly. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah. I mean, Cotter, yeah, as you said, club legend, club legend. Be on the channel soon. We got TC. He's on soon. Uh, as a as a spoiler. Um, so yeah, TC, who's TC going to partner up front then? Um, I am denied over this one as well, really, because I quite like the idea of a big man little man combination. Yeah. So you know, John Hartz and Dean Ashton were, were kind of being considered. Um, but I'm going to go with Flair again. Um, so it's got to be Paolo Di Canio. I can't yeah. leave him out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just considering the circumstances he joined us as well, maybe he wouldn't have joined us if, if he hadn't pushed that referee over. Um, but considering he hadn't played for a few months, he hit the ground running. Um, although he was only with us for that second half of the season when we finished fifth, he was instrumental that year. Yeah. And the year after, he's probably, along with Payet, the biggest impact I've seen any individual West Ham player. I think he was probably, he should have been Premier League player of the year in 1999-2000. Um, he, he was that good. Fantastic goals. Obviously, the one against Wimbledon stands out. But he scored that free kick against Watford from almost on the touchline um, as well. So, yeah, just the, the two against Arsenal when he yeah. completely bamboozled Kieran and Adams. And David Seaman, who are you know, three of the best defensive players of the country, seen in the last 20 or 30 years, and he made them look like mugs. <laughs> just an incredible player again. It was, wasn't it? And, you know, and oh, it's been said lots of times on this channel, but every time it's true, you know, the man was, was an entertainer. And, and, and then they, that's what, that's what West Ham fans want to be. They want to be entertained. You know, we're realistic that we're never going to win the title unless, you know, a shake take, you know, takes us over, you know, because that's, that's, that's the level of investment you need in the Premier League to win the title. You know, the, the likes of Leicester, were were one offs were exceptions to the rule. Um, we just want to be entertained, and and Paolo was just box office. You know, the man was crazy, and he was frustrating. But then he'd be mesmeric, um, and you'd go to a game excited, a bit like with Payet. You'd go to excited to see what he was going to do. Um, even more, even more so with Paolo, because not only their skill, but Who's he going to piss off? Who's he going to, yeah, how many times is he going to throw himself on the floor and want it to be substituted? And he was just brilliant. And he just got the West Ham fans. And that's what the fans want. They want an emotional connection. Someone made a good point in one of the videos. Um, you know, you watch soap operas for the characters, not for the stories. The stories change, but the characters are what yes, draw you yeah. in. And that is so true. You know, you you've got you've got your, your eleven characters that you'd want to see, and if the story doesn't happen the way it usually happens to West Ham, you know, you might be losing or draw, <laughs> you don't. You, as long as those characters are still there and you're happy to see the characters and be entertained by them, that's all that matters, I think. Yeah. Um, and maybe all of, um, maybe all of these things that, that, that's gone on might reset expectations and people be more appreciative of, of football as a. Uh, as a form of entertainment rather than, you know, slagging everyone off because, I know, Moyes is brought on a sub too early or whatever. You know, the fact is we haven't had football for a hundred days. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. anything's better than nothing. Do you know what I mean? But, yeah. um, I'm a Trevor Brookings saying once um, that when you go to West Ham, you just don't know what you're going to get. We could be brilliant. We could be dreadful. And I think if you look at some of the players that are in my team there with Decanio and Joey Cole and, Sinclair Pyatt, you're going to be entertained. You know, almost whether we get beat or whether we whether we turn it on and thrash someone four or five nil, there's going to be some entertainment value in there. Exactly, as I said, it will probably as with many teams of that sort. Ilk, where you've got a lot of flair, you'd be first on match of the day. Yes, 
I think it's good. <laughs> well, you should be anyway. first. Yeah, you should be, yeah. <laughs> Dan, it's been absolutely brilliant, man. Thank you so much you. for chatting. Um, it's been Thank good fun. No, absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on. Uh, and obviously, thank you for watching, everybody. Obviously, like, share, subscribe. You know what to do. Watch loads of them. There's over 50 on there now. It's absolutely mental. And I appreciate everyone's uh, you know, support of the channel and stuff. And uh, until next time, guys, from me and Dan, take care and stay safe, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.